Hello, I'm Alex Brown, and welcome to the Hooked on History podcast. In this introductory episode on our series on drug use in the 1950s and 60s, I will present an overview of what the series will cover. I hope you enjoy the show. In 1931, philosopher and writer Aldous Huxley sat at his typewriter and over the next four months set about describing a vision of the future. With much of the world in the throes of the Great Depression, Huxley's future would depart from the optimistic ideas previously presented by literary giants like H.G. Wells and George Bernard Shaw. For these men, progress led to utopian socialism and a world state. For Huxley, progress was leading to dystopia. In this dystopia, which he labelled Brave New World, humans are brainwashed to accept their place in society and to value government authority, happiness, and consumerism above all. And should any member of this brave new world suffer the slightest brush with discomfort, their immediate response was to take Soma. Quote, If ever by some unlucky chance such a crevice of time should yawn in the solid substance of their distractions, there's always Soma. Delicious Soma. Half a gram for half holiday, a gram for a weekend, two grams for a trip to the gorgeous east, three for a dark eternity on the moon, returning whence they find themselves on the other side of the crevice, safe on the solid ground of daily labor and distraction. End quote. Soma would promise all the advantages of Christianity and alcohol and none of their defects. Along with 1984, Brave New World would go down as one of the great dystopian novels. When comparing the two warnings against authoritarianism, reading Brave New World can be a much creepier experience. Part of this can be chalked up to the fact that, by and large, the populace of Brave New World are actually happy with their society and supposed slavery. Another reason could be that, since the fall of the Soviet Union, the themes displayed in Brave New World are far more relevant to today's existence. Prominent among these is the extensive use of mood-altering drugs. In 2017, the United States' National Center for Health Statistics released the results of a three-year-long study conducted on antidepressant use. The study found that one in eight Americans older than 11 had used an antidepressant in the last month. Of these users, 68% had been using them for at least two years, and a full quarter of them had been users for a decade or more. In the UK, use of these drugs appears equally as extensive. In 2018, the NHS prescribed 70 million antidepressant items to the people of England, costing £8.8 .8 billion. And this only takes into account legal or licit drug use. The UK Home Office estimates a tenth of people aged 16 to 59 had taken an illegal drug in 2018. The figure rises to 1 in 5 if we only examine those aged 16 to 25. And the United States presents even higher figures. In this podcast series, We'll look at UK drug use in the 1950s and 60s in order to better make sense of the position we are in today. We'll start 
with amphetamine barbiturates and tranquilizers, exploring some of the origins of their mass adoption and medical and philosophical ideas surrounding their use. The second episode will look at the ever-present issue of pharmaceutical advertising. We'll take a look at what these ads looked like, and the tactics pharmaceutical companies used to expand their market and the number of drug users. Many of these tactics are still used in the world today. And we'll also bring in political and government opinions. Next, we'll cover the results of this aggressive marketing and lax drug testing in the thalidomide disaster, which caused over 10,000 babies to be born with missing or malformed appendages. In the final episodes of the season, we'll take a look at the actual drug users and show how they were seen by psychiatry and the newspapers, covering subjects like the influence institutional racism has in building public perceptions of a drug and its use. The next season will cover the 1960s, its drug scares, changing medical and philosophical ideas around drug use, and the introduction of drug legislation, ending with the 1971 Misuse of Drugs Act, the cornerstone of the UK's current drug policy. So why is this important to understanding our current position? Well, Dan Carlin, that grandfather of history podcasters, has an analogy I like about the advent of nuclear weapons. He described the reactions people had to the existence and threat of nuclear bombs as something we, who have lived our whole lives with this threat, cannot fully appreciate. He pointed out that if you were one day walking down the road and someone shoved a loaded gun to your head and kept it there for the rest of your life, it would have a massive effect on you. However, if you were born with that loaded gun to your head and lived your whole life like that, it probably won't affect you as much, perhaps not at all. That gun to your head may just be normalized, seen as a reality of existence. If you live your whole life with things one way, it is easy to accept it as just the way things are, and never question it. The same can be said of our relationship to drugs and drug use. In the UK, a prison sentence, the rescinding of someone's freedom, is the harshest form of punishment the government can inflict on its citizens. While most of us have lived our whole adult life with this being the legitimate reaction to drug misuse, this was not always the case. In fact, this level of drug control is a novelty of our epoch. So what happened in the mid-20th century to make politicians feel the threat of a person sentence was needed to curtail these activities? Or how about this one? How did mood-altering drugs become such an integral part of psychiatry? Did people mind at all about the huge increase in drug taking? What did the doctors, newspapers, politicians think? If 20 years previously, a best-selling dystopian novel was released predicting widespread drug use, what was the reaction when this became the reality? Now, I'm sure every listener likely has their own opinion of drug use, both legal and illegal. But whatever opinion you hold is sure to have been influenced by over half a century of newspaper articles, films, TV shows, political speeches, advertisements, public service announcements, and books. Sixty-odd years of 
predominant cultural truisms, and countercultural revisionism. One of the amazing things about history, especially when using primary sources, is it grants us the ability to see events through the minds of people free from our preconceptions. They of course have their own biases and naiveties, but they will be different from ours, allowing us, in some cases, to see perspectives that don't exist anymore. This podcast series will heavily rely on primary sources and original research in order for us to gain a glimpse at these perspectives. This also means that the relevance of this podcast goes beyond UK history. This is the podcast for anyone interested in the rise of psychopharmacology and the philosophy surrounding it, or for anyone wishing to understand the environment in which governments are pushed to enact drug prohibitions. If any of these subjects interest you, I hope you'll join me, Alex Brown, as we discuss UK drug use in the 1950s and 60s, here on the Hooked on History podcast.